So Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 21. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abram, Abraham, sorry. As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought from, with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, Sarai, your wife, she is, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, will, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him, Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I, re I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, everyone. My name is Andrew. Great to have you here at 4 p.m. this afternoon. I wonder who watched the coronation last night? Anyone? There's a great line in there that as a pastor I had to read out today. Um, when Charles was given a Bible from someone important, and um, this is what this person said, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. So as we open the Word of God now, we are holding in our hands the most valuable thing this world affords. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that what the opportunity we have to hear from you in your word is more valuable than anything else, that we can hear your voice, that we can commune with the creator of the universe. Thank you, Father. We pray now that you would speak to us afresh, show us who you are, and show us how we're to live in the joy of obedience to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I got an email recently from a lady called Miss Mary Lewis in London, and it was a very sad email, quite shocking, because this lady is on her deathbed and only has a few days to live. But she'd chosen me out of everyone in the world to give her a $100 million estate. All I had to do was reply with my bank details, and that money was mine. Maybe you've got an email like that. It's often from a Nigerian prince. I don't know why, but often the Nigerian princes want to get in touch. And you read those emails, and immediately you're thinking, this is too good to be true. This is just too good to be true. That was Abraham. Abraham had been given these incredible promises from God. The promise that he would become a father of a great nation. But the problem is, he's in his 90s. Last time I checked, people in their 90s don't become parents. He's in his 90s. He doesn't even have one kid. And he's thinking, this promise, it's great, but it's too good to be true. It is too good to be true. And God is, uh, wants to teach Abraham that if you look at things from a human perspective, yes, it may seem too good to be true, but nothing is impossible for God. And I wonder whether you here this afternoon, you think about some of the promises God has made you, and maybe you're tempted to think, yeah, this is just too good to be true. How do I know this is going to happen? How can I be sure? Because God's promises us some incredible things. He's promised that he'll always love us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll protect us. He's promised us eternal life. He's promised us eternal joy. He's promised us his son. And it's, it's natural to sometimes go, God, is, is this really going to happen? But nothing is impossible for our God. 
Tonight, we're going to be looking at that theme, nothing is impossible with God. And we're going to look at three names and three laughs. Preachers like to do three-point sermons, so I thought I'm going to do that twice over tonight. Three names and three laughs. And as we look at these three names and three laughs, I hope you'll be filled with the, the hope and the security and the, the wonder that nothing is impossible for God. So three names. I mean, when we pick names today, we pick names for kids, we often don't think about the meaning behind the names. We tend to, in this day and age, just pick them because they sound cool. Uh, but in the Bible times, names had a lot of meaning. They meant something. Let's look at the three names in our story. The first name is the name that God gives himself. Look back, turn back to Genesis 17. It's our first reading. Genesis 17 And look at the name in verse 1. Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The name that God gives himself is a name, he's using it here for the very first time. But it's actually going to be used many more times in the Bible. But here he introduces it. And the name is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. In the Hebrew, that means that he is the mighty one. He is powerful. He holds all things in his hands. Nothing is outside of his power. He is El Shaddai. And God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, I've made you these promises, and you may be desperate. You may be thinking, gee, this isn't going to happen. You may be thinking, God, you're taking your sweet time, but I am El Shaddai. I am all-powerful. I can do this. Just trust me. I have all things in my hands. Don't try any shortcuts. I am the Almighty One. And I wonder if you, this afternoon, need to be reminded that God is your El Shaddai, that He is your Almighty One. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever setback, whatever trial or pain, He's with you, He loves you, He's holding all things in his hand. Nothing is out of his control. And you can lay your fears at his feet and trust him. Because he's El Shaddai. Well, when you encounter such an incredible God, you've got to live appropriately in response. And so God says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. That's Abraham's response to he is to serve God and walk before him and obey him because he's the one that's almighty. Nothing is impossible for him. Let's look at the second name. The second name, it's in the very next verse, verse 3. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings 
will come from you. A lot of effort goes into companies when they decide to rebrand. Speaking to someone this morning who works in marketing, and they said they'd just done a rebrand. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm assuming there's people in this room who've experienced that. A lot of work goes into it when you know, Facebook becomes meta or Google becomes Alphabet or Church by the Bridge becomes the Bridge Church. There you go. Did you know that our first logo looked like someone bending over from behind? Anyway, I shouldn't have said that, but it did. And we got rid of it and we, we corrected it, but we, a lot of work goes into it. And you have to plan. You've got to think, how are you going to make sure that what you are putting out there captures your vision, captures your image, because you don't want to put out something that doesn't and sends a bad message. And that's what God does to Abraham. He almost does a bit of a rebrand. He says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you a new image. I'm going to present to you something new. I'm going to communicate through you a message that I want to put out there. And here's what it is. Abraham, well, his name prior to this was Abram, but he gives him the name Abraham. And the name Abraham means father of many. Now, why is that important? It's because in his very name, God is giving a reminder that the promises he has made are going to come to pass. It means when Abraham orders his morning coffee and the barista says, what's your name? He has to respond, father of many. And the barista's writing out that on the top of the coffee cup. He wakes up in the morning, how are you, father of many? Would you like a cup of tea, father of many? Constant reminder, you can trust me. I'm going to do this. You may be old now. You may not have even one child, but I'm going to bring from you a great nation. Actually, the promise is even bigger. The promise here is that he'll be the father of many nations. Back in Genesis 12, the promise he'd be the father of one nation. Here it is many. We have people in our church who are part of God's family and who are from all different cultural backgrounds. And that is because one of Abraham's descendants was Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, through Abraham, through Jesus, God blessed the world. Many nations are trusting Jesus and coming into his family. And he's told not just many nations, but kings. Kings will come from him. Sounds, sounds strange for, a, for an old man who doesn't even have one child. But a thousand years later, King David in the line of Abraham. And then Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so God gives Abraham this new rebrand. Trust me, it's going to happen. Let's look at the third name. Jump down to verse 15 of Genesis 17. Abraham, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. You know what the name Sarah means? Princess, princess, this woman would be a princess in the kingdom of God 
Because from her, even though she'd given up hope of having a child, from her would be many nations, many kings. Indeed, Jesus Christ, the King of kings. El Shaddai, father of many, princess. God is saying with these three names, trust me. And I wonder whether you need that reminder tonight. That there is nothing impossible for him. Even when it seems like you are out of control, he holds all things in his hands. Nothing is impossible. That's the three names. Now let's look at the three laughs. It's important to have a good laugh. On Friday night, I went to a comedy show, which was fun. And she was just great to just crack up the whole night and just enjoy uh, laughing with friends. But of course, there's lots of different types of laughs. Some of you in this room, you might have a laugh that's like a cackle. Some of you might have a laugh that's a bit of a wheeze. Some of you, anyone here laugh and snort? Anyone? No one wants to own up to that. Uh, there's all kinds of laughs. There's, there's sarcastic laughs. There's a, uh, a hysterical laugh. There's a laugh that you do when you're being silly or cheeky or being tickled. You know, kids, you know, will laugh in a certain way when they're being tickled. There's the laugh of an evil superhero. That's a certain type of laugh. There's lots of them out there. In our passage, there's three types of laughs we're going to see. They're all laughs, but all three of them are different. Let's look at the first one. It's the very next verse, verse 17. Abraham fell face down. He laughed, and he said to himself, Will a son be born to Abraham, a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. What's this laugh? I think it's a laugh of doubt. I think Abraham still trusts God. His faith may wobble, but it doesn't waver. He still trusts God. I think we can know that because later we're going to see another laugh, and God really tells Sarah off for it. But here he doesn't. And if you jump to the New Testament, have a look at the screen in Romans chapter 4. It says this about Abraham. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham was fully persuaded that God could do it. He did not waver. No, I think here it's a laugh of, of doubt. God, this is crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm 100 years old. Will a son really be born? It's important for you to know that as a Christian, you can have doubts. And doubts are not the same as unbelief. 
doubts may lead to unbelief. That's why if you have doubts, it's important to explore them, to get, to get answers, to talk to people. But having doubts or questions or struggles doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Every Christian has doubts. So if you're here this afternoon and you haven't yet become a Christian, I want you to know that you don't have to have everything sorted before you become a Christian. You don't have to deal with every single question. It's okay to still have things you're working through. Abraham here, I think he has doubts, but he still trusts God. But he knows he's not getting any younger. And so what he's done is he's come up with a plan B. He's come up with a plan B. What he did, it was back in Genesis 16, which we're skipping over tonight. But what he decides to do is he thinks, I'm going to take things into my own hands. And he does something which seems pretty shocking in 2023. And it is still shocking and inexcusable, but it actually was something that was done as a cultural custom of the time. It doesn't excuse it. But it was something, believe it or not, that was done in the culture. What he did, Sarah offered for Abraham to sleep with her slave girl so that he could then have a son through Hagar, Sarah's slave girl. That's what he does. And he has a son called Ishmael. He's decided to take a shortcut. Now, sometimes when I'm driving and I'm stuck in traffic and Google Maps tells me the way to go, I can get cocky and think, yeah, I've got a better way. I've got a shortcut. It never works out for me. It never works out for me. I should just trust Google Maps. That's what Abraham does. He tries to take a shortcut and God says to him, mate, you need to set your clock to my time, not yours. Trust me, you are going to have a son through Sarah. Not through, Ishma, not, through, not through Hagar, but through Sarah. That's what I promised. I'm going to do it my way. And just to make it extra clear, he says in verse 19, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. God has the last laugh. Because he says, I'm going to give you a son. And you know what you're going to call him? Laughter. Nothing. Nothing is impossible for him. Let's jump to the second laugh. We can turn the page to Genesis 18. Just flick over. I think it's probably a page over. Genesis 18. And at this point, God has visited Abraham and Sarah in their tent. And God has again said those promises. And look at what happens. Verse 9. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So it's the same promise, but this time there's actually a date given. Mark your calendar. It's happening in a year. How does Sarah respond? Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? 
she recognizes, firstly, she's too old to have a kid, but actually you could almost, some people suggest that the translation here is she's also saying, I'm actually too old to even enjoy sex. And so she laughs to herself. She's forgotten that God is El Shaddai. She's forgotten that God can do the impossible. She tries to laugh to herself, but God hears her. He knows all things. Nothing takes him by surprise. What does God say to her? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you believe that? Is anything too hard for the Lord? We've got to apply this to ourselves rightly. This is not saying that, you know, you can go and do anything you want. Just, just dream big and nothing's impossible for God and he'll make it happen. I know God, God doesn't promise us necessarily wealth or success in the world's eyes. When he says this, it's tied to a promise. It's tied to a promise that he's going to give him a child. That's what he's saying, that nothing is too hard for God. It's tied to the promise. Now, the Bible is filled with God's promises. It may not be that we will be successful or wealthy or everything will be great. But they're incredible promises that he'll love us and protect us and and bless us and be with us. The list goes on and on and on. None of those promises will fail. Isn't that so comforting? Doesn't that give us such security and hope? Which brings us to the very last laugh in our story. After years and years of waiting, decades, finally it happens. Turn with me to Genesis 21. Might need to flick over a page. Genesis chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Isn't that incredible? What he had promised at the very time that he said, Every promise we can trust in, friends. Every part of God's word we can stand firm on. It says the Lord was gracious. He, he gave Sarah what, he, what they do not deserve. He shows us such love and kindness. And then look what happens next. Verse 6. I just love these two verses. Verse 6 and 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The woman that laughed with disbelief now laughs with joy. On that night, there was laughter everywhere. 
Abraham, the old man, was laughing. Sarah, the old woman, was laughing as they held their tiny baby called laughter in their arms. And that baby cooed and giggled. And the whole camp and the neighbours chuckled out loud. They couldn't believe it. And heaven smiled and laughed with joy. She's laughing with wonder. Can you believe this? She's laughing with amazement and worship. Tim Keller says that when you become a Christian, you see your life as a spiritual comedy with you as the star. And you say, who in the world would have thought me a Christian? Who would have thought that I would be a child of God? See, that's, that's grace. You say like Sarah, you say, who would have thought this could happen? Who, who would have thought that me would be a child of God, that me would be saved? Who would have thought that God would do such a crazy thing as sending his son to die for me? That's grace. You recognize you don't deserve it. You recognize it's radical, it's scandalous, it's amazing. Who would have thought... And many years later, there was another woman who laughed with amazement, and it was Mary. And God promised her something impossible, a baby. She was a virgin. And so she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the response is, no word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible for God. And that baby would be the most special baby in the world, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to save you and I. How does Mary respond? She sings with joy. She laughs with wonder. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. God has done the impossible. You, without Jesus, we faced death. We faced judgment. And yet God, through Jesus, has done the impossible. We are friends with God. We are saved. We are his children. Death has been conquered. And through this baby Jesus, every promise finds its yes. That's what the Bible says. Every promise finds its yes in Jesus Christ. I wonder if you're able to say, who would have thought Who would have thought that God would save me? Who would have thought that God would do something so impossible that he would come amongst us, lower himself to be a baby boy, enter our mess, save us from our sins, call us his children? Just like Sarah, we can laugh with joy.
we can laugh with wonder. We can laugh with delight. Because our God does what he says. Not a word that he has said will fail. We can stand firm on his word. And nothing, nothing is impossible for him. Let's pray together. God, who would have thought, who would have thought that you would save us in such a surprising and impossible way that through the birth of a humble baby, you would provide a way to destroy death itself and conquer Satan and make us your children. We stand in awe. We are humbled by this grace. We are amazed and we are filled with wonder. For you've done great things. We thank you for all your promises to us in your word. Help us to treasure your word above all else. And to stand firm on the promises of God. Father, we look to you for the strength that we need this week. We look to you for the protection we need this week. And we go into this week standing firm on your word for all your promises. Find their yes in Jesus and not one of them will fail. Nothing, we declare, is impossible for you. In Jesus' name.